0: and uh, you got this energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions, including, well, what do I say when? And, well, what do I do when? So that you feel equipped to handle the day to day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa, or lace up some shoes, or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit, and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad too. Hey, welcome everybody. I am so glad you are with me this week for this episode of the podcast and I am thrilled to have Diane Costo here today. Welcome Diane. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Laura. Yeah, I am excited to talk. This is, I really, I'm excited to get the word out to to parents and clinicians about things that have helped families uh, uh, overcome difficulties and thrive, right? That's kind of the angle that I come from. And we were connecting a little bit before it started. In my own experience, I had to expand some of the first go-to interventions that that i was taught in my formal training when my own family had some needs that that needed to be addressed and they they required me um expanding and being and learning more uh about different options that help so i am really looking forward to talking to you about neurofeedback today as one of those options so tell me a little bit about about how you always let folks describe like, how do you come to be talking to me about this today? Right, I definitely
1: describe myself still as a mom on a mission. Uh, I was just on the mission to look for an answer for my son. And for years he was uh, a very impulsive, off the charts kind of impulsivity where he got kicked out of different school environments and programs that I tried to find for him. So uh, it was through that whole journey that after Uh, many years, I guess, from age five until he was about 12, going on 13, that I was looking for solutions for him and failing and finding and had to expand. I love the way you phrased that. (laughs) I needed to expand uh, because I kept trying everything I could think of until I was introduced to the concept of neurofeedback. And I believe it saved his life. He would be locked up or potentially not with us if it wasn't for this modality. So my mission is still as a mom to make sure this is more available to families as an earlier intervention instead of the last resort and going through all of the trauma that we did for those years.
0: So for folks that are are listening and tuning in and they're thinking, what the, okay, great. I'm excited because I have a kid who's had some challenges. Like we can't, we can't, we haven't yet found the thing. I've gone here, I've gone there, and this person told me to do this, and this person told me to do that. And all, I'm sure, well-intended, and, 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 and each kid is different, and every situation lends itself to different ideas, but give folks an overview of what you mean when you say neurofeedback tell if they're listening, like what, the, what is that? What how do you right. What is?
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of people may have heard the term biofeedback because we're using all of these wearables and these tools and everything to measure things in our body so that we can either change our habits or pay attention to how we're breathing or what we're doing or how hard we're exercising, all of that. It's along those lines to where we're using a technology to measure in this case, neuro stands for the brain waves. So your brain wave communication in your brain can be measured and analyzed. And then through a series of what we call sessions, the feedback sessions, you can teach the brain how to better regulate, just like you can teach yourself how to breathe properly and how your, you know, your heart rate variability and all those different things. So it's that same concept in a way of using something biological and some technology to give you feedback on that so that you can improve. And the bottom line is, when our brains aren't well-regulated and those brain waves are not properly communicating, stuff happens, right? We don't function as well. Life is harder. People struggle with mood regulation or sleep issues or, um, you know, just impulsivity and things like that, memory issues. That all comes down to an underlying miscommunication in the brain. So we're directly addressing that.
0: And, you know, and that's so interesting. And I've, I've spoken before and talking to folks about sensory things and and, and trauma in the brain and behavior. And, and when I first started learning about the brain stuff, I, conf- I was like, oh, you know, like I'm a people person. I'm an ecology, cultural systems person. And I am all of those things. I am. I am not a reductionist. I really want to understand people in their whole entirety and their environment And I remember thinking the brain stuff was reductionist. It was like, really? Can we really like I think we need to focus on humanity and environment (laughs) because because that's how I thought about things. And yet now this many years into my career, you you I really think for the clinicians listening and for parents finding clinicians who understand both Absolutely. The environment is important. Absolutely. Your sense of self and place and culture and whatever gender identity, all that stuff is super important. And there's biology and neurology that if not addressed, you can be running around telling yourself the wrong story about behaviors and if you're telling yourself the wrong story then you're going to come at it with an energy that won't be helpful solutions that won't be helpful um and so what are some of the criticisms that you hear about neurofeedback what are some of the hesitancies or what some of the misinformation that's out there about neurofeedback Mm -hmm. in your experience yeah, well I wanna just you know yeah. give you
1: credit there for what you just said oh. about the fact that it it really is a whole systemic thing. It's your body and your brain and everything else all put together. So although I've focused on neurofeedback specific to the brainwave and the feedback part of our process involves all of that other stuff, your social and approach behaviors, your physiology, how you're, you know, digesting and all of those hormones in your body and adrenal support and all of that and Also, how your body is signaling up to your brain. So what happened along your way developmentally that may have been disrupted or attachment-wise that's sending the wrong signals up into the brain. So it really is a holistic approach. This is just the technology to help, you know, better regulate the brain, which tends to help balance the nervous system as a whole.
0: Right, Uh, no, I like that. So some of the criticism. Sorry, sorry, I like that thinking about that you can't separate, even though you're focusing on some of the brain and neurology pieces, what's happening in the environment, impacts and is impacted by. So it's all loops, loop to loop around a kid. So sorry to interrupt your word but we' bringing that all back together again that it doesn't my thinking about it as isolationist or reductionist it doesn't incorporate the fact that we're in a constant feedback loop between how our brain and nervous system are developing and and kids behavior. I think this is one of the things that I've gotten clearer about over time my own home and with other people that sometimes we will look at parenting choices or parenting they will watch a parenting exchange happen in public there's a poorly behaved quote-unquote child and and oftentimes the assumption is that the behavior is that way because of what a parent is doing instead of recognizing that sometimes parents are doing exactly what they're doing because of the impact of dysregulation and disorganization and so the parents have learned this is what they need to do in this moment right now to help with regulation. So, um, yeah, there's just there's so much communication between the world around us and in relationships and our bodies um, that this is a way to really highlight. I like what you were saying about this is a technology that can actually access how to shift the messages that are coming and going from the brain to the sensory system and the nervous system and that kind of thing. So, right. So sorry, back to the yeah. misinformation. Cause I know no, that's, yeah, so that's great. Fine. And what you just said, I can tell we need a few hours. Here. <laughs> yes,
1: <exactly. laughs> because I'm already thinking on five other things, but I will go back to the question <laughs> and some of the, some of the criticisms I think, and then we can talk about what yeah. you, you just mentioned as wow. well. Um, Certainly in the field, it's been kept kind of like in this, I say neuro guru, like a complexity thing. And like these these, um, certain scientists in the field and and pioneers, I think, um, maybe have made it even more complicated than it really needs to be with the change in technology and everything. So we've worked really hard to come up with very user friendly software and systems that lay people like me and newbies can get into the field and and really help people safely and effectively Um, so sometimes it's it's considered this like a scary thing because we're working on the brain or brainwashing or just something you know are we zapping the brain and all of that kind of (laughs) misinformation uh, that neurofeedback is not and especially the version that i use is totally non-invasive technology-driven learning it's allowing the brain to change as it's ready through feedback But there are other types of neurofeedback out there that do use a low-level current and try to push the brain a little more. So you have to really pay attention if you're researching this or speaking to someone about it or what technique of neurofeedback are they using? Because there definitely are different ones out there and different levels of uh, expertise that's involved in, in that. I think that's one of them. I think what you said, you know, the holistic approach, uh, there are a lot of people in the therapeutic world and therapists and stuff that just don't believe that you can only do neurofeedback and it's going to correct something that you need all of those other systems and approaches and everything. Um, and so there's there's some disagreement on that too. I personally saw that my son went through a lot of different things to help him. And I believe he his learning and it supported him along the way, but it didn't matter because he had a physical pattern in his brain that did not let him pause before reacting to his environment, no matter what he learned or knew. So if we didn't go in and correct that physically, he never would have been able to apply the things that he learned. And there are a lot of people that get stuck and they're in with wonderful therapists that that have done what they can to them, but they're hitting a wall or a ceiling because there's a physical pattern.
0: that's
1: either signaling from the body from their trauma or whatever, or it's, you know, something that needs to just help, you know, they need that technology driven help at that point. Um, Those are a couple of things that stand out to me.
0: Yeah. And I know over time that, that, you know, I've heard, and I've heard a mixture. I've heard some, some people who have had a, a lot of success and to your point, there's no one, there's no one singular version of neurofeedback. So as with anything else, you have to have a practitioner who is knowledgeable and the, you know, equipment, if there's equipment involved, that makes sense. And, you know, you can't there are you need to have you need to be in the right place as well um, for some of these interventions, because I think it's true for all of us, for any of the work that we do. So where do parents start researching? Like what's what's a way to find people who do this work and do it well.
1: Yeah, I definitely recommend talking to us. (laughs) I have an excellent (laughs) team and I've really focused on helping parents and keeping it simple enough that it's effective, but quality high, right? So certainly they can reach out to us. Another great resource, if you really like to get into the science of it, because this neurofeedback's not new. It was founded in the research labs back in the 60s, 1960s. And there's very good effective articles out there case studies all of that it's just not been um supported by big pharma so there's not billion dollar studies out there but there's a lot of research and you can find that on um isnr.org it's the international society for neuromodulation research so we have a link to that on the bottom of our website as well people can go on there and research and a whole bibliography of different challenges that people have and they can look up the case studies and research involved in that so th- those are a couple of the best resources. Awesome.
0: How? This here's the lovely question that folks always ask me when we're when I talk to them about it. How how long? What does this entail? Is this are you are you meeting in an office four times a week for six months? Once a week for three weeks? Like what? Tell me tell about what you see in general with the scope of frequency and intensity. how long is a session? Just like nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. roughly speaking. I, again, okay. I know every kid needs sure. different stuff, but uh, what do you,
1: yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking. So, well, across the board speaking, it's not a quick fix or a magic pill. So don't get that in your mind. It is yeah. going to take some time, just like your brain and um, learned those patterns over time. It takes time to correct them and to better regulate them. So in our processes, we start with a QEG brain mapping. So we're mapping out all those different areas in the brain and identifying what areas are functioning well and which aren't and taking a look at that. And we like our our clients to have at least 40 sessions. And a session is typically, we start with 10 minutes and build up by five minutes, but an average would be 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Uh, We used to recommend a couple times a week coming into an office, but now we have home training systems. And we send them across the country so people can do neurofeedback in the comfort of their own homes several times a day if they want. It's just like when you practice a musical instrument, you're learning to play a musical instrument. The more you practice, the quicker your brain is going to get those new patterns in there or riding a bike or riding with a pencil. The same philosophy of learning, practice, practice, practice. Pretty soon you're just doing it without thinking about it.
0: So those are some of the nuts and bolts. Did I cover most of them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, and and what is the thinking that at some point you're done <laughs> or do you it know what can I mean? be like, like does, yeah. it, does it or do you cycle it back like your pediatrician where you go in because it's part of your you you doing preventative stuff and you're doing mm-hmm. checkups and you're like, how, how does that do you, do you finish and it's lasting? Do you need rounds of it later? Like what what are you seeing in the world of kids and families and and that piece? Of course, just like you see with kids and families in the world, a variety, right? So um,
1: my son, I like to use him as an example. He was my first case study and uh, (laughs) client and success story. He had 40 sessions. It gave him that pause before reacting, and he never had additional sessions. Um, And he's one of the most disciplined people I know because then he was able to apply all of those things that he learned all of those years. So not only did it save him, but it took him to this level uh, of Just one of the most disciplined people I know. So he didn't require more. He would benefit from more. We all do. There's nobody that has a perfect brain that I've seen yet. (laughs) Even Navy SEALs and peak performers come in uh, because they want to improve their game. So our brain can always learn more. But we really want to look at what are your objectives what are your goals? Why did you come to us? You know, I knew it was clear what my son needed in order to function. Other people, um, it may be just a better sleep so that they can function and focus throughout the day. So we, we identify the goals and objectives, maybe five to eight of the key things that they're looking for. And we work with them a minimum of 40 sessions, but up until they feel like they've made a difference in their life. So some people will continue longer if they've had traumatic brain injury or heavily medicated or or love the way they feel when they're doing neurofeedback. But the science does show that there's permanent change in the brain after 20 sessions. You've created new neural pathways in there that don't just go away.
0: Mm. When you, I know this is a funny, well, not funny, but I know it. When do you, have you seen it not work? And if so, why?
1: Yes. There's a, handful of circumstances where you don't really see the progress that you would like to. And those are going to be somebody that might have heavy metal toxins in their system. So they have a lot of inflammation in their brain or allergies, like uh, food allergies or something like that. That's just inflaming. The brain gets inflamed just like other parts of your body. So that will slow progress. Uh, people that are using a lot of uh, THC, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say weed you know whatever the term yes. the proper term is for it uh smoking a lot of pot yeah that will slow progress because it's producing a lot of alpha waves in people and it affects you differently so we've seen uh not that people don't make progress but you're going to have to expect a lot more time involved in that um so if somebody is in a really traumatic situation still where they're being bullied in school or they're in a really bad marriage or relationship like that that's abusive that's that's troublesome to get the brain to really make the changes that it needs because they're constantly producing, you know, fight or yeah. flight response chemicals and, and things like that. So those are the most common adrenal issues, like a thyroid issue that's not being addressed. And a lot of these things we can see in the map report. Um, those a couple of them that won't respond. And then there's the person that is just in denial. Like we see the improvements, but they're so attached to who they were that they're having trouble transitioning that they're actually different in that that concept of kind of getting accustomed to the next level of um, of where they're at, and they don't they don't feel it or see it personally, even if other people may. may. Those are the circumstances that, that we have slow progress or no
0: progress. Ah, oh, really, that's super. That's interesting and helpful in understanding. How you made reference? What say a little bit more about what a map report is? Yeah. And that's really important to go back to
1: one of the other things that you triggered when you were talking about um, how we approach thing in the parent in the grocery store and, you know, responding to the kids uh, situation and that kind of thing. That map report is so valuable. If I had that back when my kiddo was in the beginning of the challenges that we had, I would have approached my parenting a lot different. So, you know, instead I... I didn't know that it was a physical pattern in his brain and he would come across as 110% boy with a bad attitude. So what did I do? Single mom with two boys. I was tough and tougher and tougher. And I, you know, tried to hold the line and, and buck heads with him. It, it didn't, do any good, right? It might've made it worse. (laughs) So if I had that information on what was really going on with him and why he was responding the way he did as a protective mechanism, as a biological being that's just doing the best that he can, it would have changed our whole family dynamic, you know, and saved, uh, like I said, a lot of trauma and, and heartache along the way. So I think that that MAP report in itself is healing and valuable information for everybody to know each other in their family and why and how we react and respond the way we do.
0: Yeah. And that's a lot of what I spent time talking about is, and you've, you've articulated it really well in terms of I mean, you said right out of the gate, you know, and I was feeling like I was failing. I mean, it's it's such a system set up when you have a kid whose behaviors are unexpected, whose behaviors are not matching the environment around or, you know, you're like, what? Why? How many times? How? Right. Like, or when they're calm, they can do it, which often turns into when they want to, they can do it. And so then people think it's willful. And and then and and over and over again in this podcast and my work, I talk about the story of why and how the story of why sets up the energy we bring and the interventions we try with our kids. And it sets up the responses they get from us. And if what they're hearing is put that down, get off that, cut that out. How many times did I tell you, like, do you ever listen? Then that becomes their internal Story, right? And the really good news, I, I that that was me. It has been me. It's still me on some Tuesdays when I'm tired. Like this is the parenting stuff is hard. So if you're a parent out there who's been like, oh boy, you know, I've already been <laughs> I went and ruined. And like, no, no, we all we there's there's time to repair. There's time to learn more and think about how your child may need something that the folks you've had access to so far. Um, aren't experts in and, and haven't seen the firsthand um, gains from. So they don't know to recommend it as helpful or or maybe they did send send to clients to go do it, but didn't know they were using so much THC that it wasn't going to be super helpful. Right. I mean, there are these right. things that there are interferers that we don't always have the information about. So if we have examples where we think ah the parents didn't report it or couldn't couldn't, you know, get there again. We're pre-COVID. Couldn't get there now with the ability to do it in your own home. That that also, I think, um, knocks out some of the barriers that were happening for Absolutely. folks before, because it it was tricky to get people into offices as often as they needed to be before right
1: absolutely and you know that being said again do your research because it's not there are new neurofeedback technologies equipments things that is being out there more for the consumer but they're not always the level and quality that they should be so sometimes even though they're sending it out and it might be good and it might be helping you relax the signals are bad you know so yep. there there are different technologies you want to be careful and when we send it out we definitely have a coach that's in touch with you on a regular basis, zooming in as needed, watching the trend graphs and sessions behind the scenes. So we're not just, you know, sending equipment out there and you're on your own. You still want some supervision and making sure that it's quality if you're gonna invest in it.
0: What was your son's experience? Cause I also know that, that it's, a, I encounter parents and I um, understand when parents are like, I don't want my kid to think they have a bad brain. I don't want to my kid. You know, it's this dilemma around. I don't want my kid labeled. I hear parents saying, and I don't want my kid to feel broken. None of us want our kids to feel broken. Um, won't they feel studied, or won't they feel like, you know, if they're hooked up to electrode, like, like, <laughs> how? What was your child's experience, and how did you talk to? your child or how do you talk to other kids about why they're doing what they're doing or just what they're doing how how would you use kid kid words to talk to kids about it that's not
1: yeah there's a few things about that and it's a really valid and good point and so there shouldn't be a stigma to it we need to encourage and, and everybody needs to understand that well, needs to be in our households, right? We're using technology anyways. Why wouldn't we all use it to tune up our brains? That it needs to become like the fun thing, right? Um, we have to talk about the peak performers out there that are using brain-based technologies to improve their game and to improve their performance. It's it a fun, exciting thing that we are able to do, you know, for our kids. Now, my kids' experience, he was at the end of the rope, and and I didn't, you know, I just learned how to do this within a three-day training and then went and set it up for him. So I explained to him what I was doing. I think he was just excited that I was there because he was off in a therapeutic program. He had been sent to multiple different places because everybody kept kicking him out. So he really was beat down and kind of labeled and, you know, and super excited that I was at least there and going to try something. It, it doesn't matter. He didn't really... Um, once he started sitting there watching these movies and with these sensors on his head and I tried to explain what was happening, um, I didn't really have buy in. He, he was so tired of everything by then. He didn't believe that it could help. And he even challenged me a few times like this isn't doing anything. So I made it a little harder. <laughs> and then he could tell that it was harder, that, he was, that the movie was going dimmer because I was making his brain work harder and he's like, stop it, you know? And so he then he realized when I played with the settings a little bit and that his brain really was doing the work and he could feel it, uh, and he kind of believed it, but it's taken years for him to even see that um, that was a significant change in his trajectory and now we can laugh about everything we went through, but he, you know, like I said, he was already so labeled and so getting judged and kicked out and all of that, that it, it took a long time for him to build that confidence up and us to, to heal from all of that.
0: Did, I'm going to wade into territory here that, um, I'm not an expert in, and I, and I don't, I'm assuming you, I don't know if you're a prescriber or a medication, uh, uh <laughs> for whatever. So I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychiatrist. I know wonderful psychiatrists. I've seen many kids do beautifully well on medicine, and I'm conservative about it too. It really is helpful in some families and some kids in some situations. What did you did did your son try medicine? was there ever because I hear I hear and I talk a lot about the the dynamic that you mentioned where you said, you know, he needed his brain to be, more organized, let's say, so that he could um, implement all of the coaching and strategies that we've had. So that, so like, there are these things he was skills he was given, problem solving ideas, coping strategies. That once he was more organized, his brain was calmer. However, you want to look at that, he was able to um, implement those things and have success. And I've heard medicine described. The same way, like, hey, you know, sometimes you need to have the medicine to be able to do all of the to to put into action the things that you're getting talk therapy about. Right. And I don't again, neither of us is is prescribers and we don't we're not trying to talk people into or out of exploring medicines for their kids. But what was your experience with with medicines and and or neurofeedback did they happen at the same time can they happen at the same time can you have a kid on medications doing neurofeedback talk a little bit about that
1: that's a yeah that's
0: that's a lot of
1: questions and a really good topic so as far as our experience was yeah i was not a big fan of the typical diagnoses and labels and all of that and did not have him diagnosed and, and However, it was getting so extreme with the outbursts in the house and the violence and the refusals that I was worried that maybe he did have a neurological condition like Tourette's or something because it was that unsafe in the house for a little while. So I took him to a pediatric neurologist who did put him on a medication. And I allowed that at that time because I was worried about the whole safety in the home. I had an older son as well and there was a lot of violence and um, it was just ridiculously Extreme. (laughs) So I allowed this medication to come in, thinking, okay, yeah, maybe we can get a grip here and figure out what to do next. Because I was always trying to figure out the next thing to do. But through that process, he totally lost his personality. Hmm. And I was heartbroken. I I mean, it was bad that I had holes in my walls and every doorknob was broken, but it was worse when I saw that effect on him and he started to be gone, you know, kind of numb. And so we weaned him off of that gradually, and I found the next program that was gonna be able to help him, I thought. And and so that was my experience with medication. Very minimal um, for a short time period, but I've dealt with families, many families, and when I went to set up neurofeedback in the therapeutic program where he was, most of those kids were medicated and had tried all of those different things and had all of those labels, the ADHD, the ODD, all all of the alphabet soup, I call it, you know? And, and what I found out when I was there, some of them were from adopted families, some were single parent families like mine, some were intact families that looked ideal and perfect and, you know, surprising that their kid could be there. They were from all different states and different areas. The common factor was they all had a similar dysregulated brainwave pattern. Mm. So that blew my mind. I went in there and I was like, okay, whatever they want to call it. These kids that aren't functioning at home and in our typical school environments that have ended up at this therapeutic program looking for help have dysregulated brains. So to me, that was like eye-opening. The the eye-opening piece. Yeah, even the ones on medication, we could still see, and we still do in the QEG brain map reports. we can still see some of those underlying patterns. A lot of it's anxiety now, more than ever. Even people that come to us with focus and attention issues a lot of times... We're seeing patterns of anxiety under there. Um, that's that's kind of, I think I cover most yeah. of the, the questions yeah. on the medication, but
0: ask me a few more if I missed them. Yeah, and so, so it is possible for kids who are taking medicines to still participate and benefit from neurofeedback.
1: Yes, and you gradually want to work with the prescriber To reduce those medications, because as you're creating new pathways in the brain, you're increasing the neurotransmitters, which carry the medication and make it potent. So we're always reminding families, get with your prescriber every 10 sessions. Uh, And a lot of people come to us with that goal of reducing or removing the medications, but we still can work with people that need to be on them.
0: Yeah, married. and there, and again, so that folks are listening, parents aren't feeling guilty about it's like we, we find your team if you know, find a team of people who are willing to explore, who are open uh, to things some kids do well and need medicines for certain periods of time for a long time other kids can do different things but we don't want you making assumptions either way i want you to rule out interventions either way and again i'm not a prescriber i've seen kids do really well but i've also seen kids really struggle even with um and if this is something else to try that could be um You know, as you said, if underlying the impulsivity, the reactivity, the the acting without thinking, the uh, the because if 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 this can interrupt that and change patterns in the brain, we see mindfulness changes patterns in the brain like we're learning more and more about if we can change how the brain is connecting and communicating, then we get different behaviors. And most importantly, as we've talked about, but to highlight again, I think what happens for kids whose behavior is unexpected and not compliant in a lot of situations is this really bummer feedback loop of they're disappointing. Right. They are that kid that they are, um, always in trouble. Right. I mean, it, it, it And, and then you end up in this power struggle and, and then parents are having, a, and teachers. So the teachers who are struggling with our kids, your kids, also feel as if they're failing. Because Absolutely. they can't get this kid to comply. So everybody's trying to figure out how to get this kid to do what they're supposed to do. All three people in that triad, or, you know, there's two parents or whatever, but all tro- corners of that triangle feel as if they're failing. And that is what right. we that's what we want to change because that's a disaster. Yes. Now, now picture this, those, that triad,
1: those individuals in there all have a brain map report of how they act and how their kiddo acts and how the dynamic works together. And we figure that out on a whole different level of how to make that work without all of the pain and, and
0: frustrations, you know, that's what we can do now. So you can brain, so you do the brain mapping with parents as well as, yes, so you're looking at how, because we certainly talk a lot about what part of things, what part of your kid's behavior really triggers you? Is it the noises? Oh, Is yeah. it the this? Is it the like, yes. and what do you do when you start to get anxious? And how does that impact your child's um, responses mm-hmm. to things? Right. And seeing that in a measurable form now, Uh, Just
1: like if you go to any other systems, they're going to measure something. If your your arm's injured, you're going to get an X-ray. If your heart's doing weird things, you're going to you know they're going to take a look at your heart. Well, we can measure the brainwave patterns. We can find out what's going on, and and we all uh, have a right to that information, right? And that can change the whole family dynamic and heal and restore
0: relationships. Wow, I really, I mean, that's let's just let that sit for a bit because it's, yeah. A lot of folks find their way here um, because of rupture, because of exhaustion, because this isn't what we thought yeah. we were going to be doing, right? This isn't what we wanted. The dynamics are not what we wanted. Let me be very clear. I'm right. It is not what yes. we wanted. The dynamics are not what we had imagined we did not imagine that parenting was going to be calls to the office and and things like that right and programs that weren't you know wouldn't be good wouldn't accept wouldn't keep wouldn't hold our kids um you know very few of us sign up if none of us sign up to head down that path so um that that you're looking at Ways to change brain communication, to help with regulation, so that fewer people in the triad, especially your kid, feel as if they're failing regularly. Exactly. During the course. Yeah, exactly. That's parents, siblings, and, and providers because the siblings, right? That's a whole other, yes, you'll have to come back. That's a whole other conversation. I know. We need hours,
1: Dr. Laura. I can tell. I think I probably need to come to um, Hawaii, though. We should probably do it in person.
0: (laughs) Fabulous, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, because the siblings, right? I mean, siblings are watching all this happen. Siblings are either shoved into the shadows by big behaviors or they are afraid of big behaviors or they, right. So, so for the whole family system, um, right. If there's ways that everybody can learn when they start to dysregulate, what contributes to that and also feel empowered that there are things they can actively do to help learn about their brain like what so what do you what do you actually say to the kids sorry say that like what so this is you're gonna go and do this thing on the computer that will what help your brain better regulate help make your life easier
1: that's like yeah help make make your life easier um Yeah, I I mean, we can explain it to them on the level of their, they probably know more about technology than, you know, we do, (laughs) (laughs) so they're not going to be afraid of the technology part, you know. (laughs) Right, it's more They they catch on to it pretty quickly and, you know, help out some of the technicians as needed. I really did, I had some of the students at the therapeutic program that I set it up in start to help setting each other up and, and running it. Cause it was that simple, you know, with supervision, so they're kind of into that part of it. That's not hard. And, and I think it just still really goes back to making sure that there's no stigma or shame in it, that this is really cool. We're going to see how your brain's communicating and we're going to show that to you on a screen and, you know, give you some feedback so that you can change it. Empowering them.
0: Yep. Yay. Um. Anything else? Uh, this is perfect. What a great introduction. We'll, we'll have all the links and ways that folks can can find you and you've uh, recommended the other place to check stuff out I get information. Any final thoughts or takeaways that you want parents or clinicians listening to know about?
1: I just really believe that we all need to come together and make this more mainstream. So we are not just about providing the services for you, but we will do that for parents and families, but we want these providers to provide as well. So we have um, the means to, we have the technology, the training, the support, everything you need to, to be able to provide this to your clients as well. So we, we need like everybody to come together because it's not coming from big pharma down. We've got to demand this. We've got to look for it. We've got to keep submitting to the insurance companies for coverage and and, and share the message this this is an option that that is should be mainstream that we should be doing on a regular basis regardless of labels
0: yeah no right with the underlying the things underneath the the labels is the dysregulation. And that brings a good question. Is it, are there places that insurance is covering this? Is that hit or miss? Is it not happening yet, but there's a push for it to happen? T- talk a little bit about insurance coverage for families that are listening. Yes. All the above. Okay. It's hit and miss. There is a big push in the field. They're trying to come
1: together and push it more. And, and that's what they're they're saying. The insurance companies have to listen if we continue to request it over and over and over and they they see that it's working and helping people. So um, we encourage people to go ahead and submit claims, even if they're they're saying it's not being covered, because that's how the noise happens and it starts to get covered. Um, It's really hit and miss in different states, different policies, different reasons. Uh, It's definitely come a long way since 13 years ago when I first found it, though so yeah um, we're we're moving that way and i do think because of you and you know having these podcasts and different ways to get the information out there to the population that's helping too
0: yeah well i'm glad you joined me today and it's been awesome spending time with diane costo mom on a mission i love that um and i will yeah find ways to get folks to you so they can learn more about it and I'm really grateful for the opportunity I've learned a ton and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to keep thinking about ways to um, yeah be gentle in our stories of why give kids the benefit of the doubt uh, and, and their behaviors and helping families and kids just feel more successful at ease um, calm all of these beautiful regulated things that, that we would love to be knowing that that's that that's ongoing work so thanks for being a part of this conversation and a resource to parents awesome thank you so much for having me it was great chatting with you you yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlaraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.